Blog Talk Radio. Funky Writer Show, all about the funk of writing. I'm your host and navigator, Robert Batista, author of the seminal novel, Brooklyn Story, and powerful novella, Carmela's Dream. The Funky Writer Show has been called the most informative, eclectic outlet for all wordsmiths and literati. Now celebrating seven years of Dynamic Writers Talk Radio. Why is the Funky Writers Show so terrific? Because I'm a writer, just like my guests, and know that words are the breath of life. Connect with me on my exciting Twitter page by going to at the Funky Writer. I am so excited to have on my show the dynamic author of the award-winning action thriller series, 17, A.D. Starling. Welcome, A.D. Starling, to the Funky Writer Show. Thank you for having me, Robert. A.D., so good having you on the Funky Writer Show. Let's start off by you giving our audience some background of your life's journey and how you got to where you are today. So I was born on the tropical island of Mauritius in the Indian Ocean uh, many, many moons ago. I'm not going to specify my age. Um, and <laughs> I was, I very much came from a scientific family or a teaching family. So everybody in my uh, family, most of my uh, uncles and even my father um, were teachers. So we were very focused on academics. Uh, I ended up in the sciences and uh, ended up, coming to the UK to study medicine. Um, and I decided medicine was an all right path to choose. I was very good at sciences and I was very good with people. So I thought um, uh, medicine combined my two interests. And uh, it, it was going pretty fine uh, for about 10 years. And then I woke up one day and thought, actually, is this really, really, really what I want to do for the rest of my life? So even though it was a very satisfying experience to be a doctor, very gratifying but also a very hard life to have. Um, I thought, actually, I'm not sure I really want to do this for the next 30 to 40 years. So I revisited my choices. Um, I gave myself some time to think. Um, and uh, eventually, uh, writing um, came back as a major interest. So this was in 2006. Um, I started um, writing again after researching the industry. 
And I decided to give myself about six years to see where I would get. Um, and in that time, I wrote three books, um, approached agents, publishers, almost landed two agents, almost landed a publishing contract, but never, never quite got there. And uh, so by 2012, I was, which was my review year, by then, um, self-publishing had become something very viable. Um, which it, it, I didn't really feel it was that viable in 2006, but um, by 2012, I was hearing more about self-publishing. Um, and uh, Joe Conwath was the author who convinced me that self-publishing was something worth pursuing to get to my to my dream. So I explored that, researched it, and again decided to commit six years, uh, for the next six years to, to see where I would get. And I started self-publishing in summer 2012, so it's been three years, uh, just over three years. And in that time, I've uh, published four novels, seven short stories, um, and the first three novels in the series. I'm currently writing the action for the series 17, which also has a paranormal element to it. Um, all first three novels have been nominated uh, and won awards as well. Um, so, yes, yeah, so this is where I am at the moment. So I'm busy this year expanding the business. So I've started to do audiobooks and I'm doing book tracks. Um, and next year I may start to do translations. Um, and I'm also going to be um, trying to write in different genres as well and possibly under different pen names in the next few years. Wow. <laughs> yeah, okay. So uh, legend, uh, the legend is so strong. And it's a book in itself, how you were working as a pediatrician, as you said, for 10 years, and then said, hey, <laughs> let me try my first love or the love I have for writing. Yeah. A.D., what was that burning, that gnawing, gnawing inside of you, inside of your spirit, that, that had to be let out for you to, to want to be a writer where did that come from? Did you have it when you before you went to the to the UK? Was it always there? Did you decide to just start? I mean, where did that knowing, that burning inside come from? It started when I was about 11, 12 years old and I'd uh, okay. uh, I'd written a, a creative fiction essay for school and I showed it to my father who absolutely hated it and uh, it despite him I went on to write a few more. <laughs> and uh, while, uh, while I was going to, yeah, my father and I have a bit of a love-hate relationship. Um, I tried to, I always try to prove him wrong. Um, so I went and wrote several short stories and wrote um, two books while I was still in school. And, and it was something I loved doing, but being very rational and coming from an academic family, I didn't quite right. see that that was a good career option to make a living out of at that point and thought, do you know what, I think the science is, is the way to go. And I was very, very interested initially in biotechnology and genetic engineering. Um, right. I kind of fell into medicine a little bit accidentally by landing a, a scholarship to study um, in the UK. Um, so the writing was always there. Um, while in med school, I tried to write again, but didn't, we couldn't really find the time. Uh, med school was quite busy, not just learning, but also having fun. <laughs> Um, and um, when it came back, um, the, the love for writing came back with a vengeance. At the end of 2005, I was uh, on a train um, on the way back um, to my 
to the place where I was living at the time from a weekend in London. And basically three characters just walked into my head and they just wouldn't stop talking and um, they wouldn't stop arguing. And funnily enough, they are not the characters from Seventeen. They are from an, a completely different series, which I hope to bring to print and to ebook format one day. And that was um, right. a light a light-hearted fantasy series, uh, very much in the style of Terry Pratchett and Douglas Adams. And um, I, because they would not shut up for about three months, these three characters, I thought, you know what, I really need to write about them because they're just so entertaining. So I, the first two books I wrote were in that series, um, which I'm hoping to rewrite and, and bring to print and ebook format in the next few years. So... I think the other reason why I decided to take a step back and look um, at the future was in medicine, you do see, even though I'm doing pediatrics, and you do see a higher mortality rate in adult medicine. Right. Being a doctor brings you, um, you stand next to death a lot, and you, you realize what's important in life. And what I didn't want to do was to have regrets later on. Because right. being a sick, you'd see situations where you keep putting things off and then something happens and you never have the chance to actually say what you wanted to say or do what you wanted to do because you kept putting it off. And it, 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 it you know, makes you realize how short life is. And, um, and I thought, you know what, I do not want to have this regret in 30, 40 years and think I could have done this and I could have given it a go. So even though I have in a way not sacrificed, but very much put on the back burner a very promising career in medicine. To me, uh, whatever happens with my writing, and so far I think I've done relatively well in the, in the last three years, uh, whatever happens with the writing, I will go to my grave no, with no regrets. And I think this is sure. probably one of the important messages I've tried to pass on to to friends and family and also to junior colleagues who may become disillusioned with medicine along the road. And I said, you know what? It's never too late. It is never too late to pursue your dreams. As long as you're sensible about it, and I'm very sensible about it, I do my research. I, I'm quite realistic about expectation goals and how long it will take to become financially successful at this. So, right. so yeah, that's kind of kind of where the passion came came from. And medicine, I have to attribute it to what I experience as a doctor as well absolutely so ad your confidence that you had when you were thinking about and making the decision is inspirational um but still but still um it was an extremely big decision how long did it take you did you agonize over it or did you just make it quickly how long did it take you to in fact make that decision the gap between leaving medicine and starting writing was actually two years. Um, so when I decided to leave medicine or step off the, the, the ladder, as it were, because I was pretty pretty close to the end. I only had um, another five years to do before I was at the top of my game. And um, I decided to take two years out uh, and just work by an agency and travel around the UK, relax a little bit um, and um, see the world a little bit. When I started to think about writing again, it was October 2005, and I took three, four months to properly research it because I wanted to know, because I didn't know anything about the the business side of it. Um, And you have to, as a writer, go in with your eyes wide open. Um, And I did a lot of research. 
I did three to four months of research on the publishing industry before I decided I'm going to give this a serious attempt. Because I think as a writer, you need to decide what your goals are. If your goals are to write to because it's your passion and you don't intend to make a career out of it, um, and you still have your day job and you're not gonna you're just gonna write as and when you want, um, then that's fair enough. But I think if your goal is to make a living out of this, then you need to approach it with very much a business mind. And that involves doing your research. So it took me three, four months of research to say, okay, this is going to be hard. I'm not this is not gonna happen overnight. I'm not gonna land an agent overnight. I'm not gonna get a contract overnight. I'm gonna let, get a lot of rejections. I'm ready to, to give this a go. And that's what the first six years were about. The first six years were that very much that process. And to see in six right. years, well, how far did I get? And I got I got pretty far. <laughs> um, but uh, I have to say, I think, and I say this to many author friends and, and many uh, um, colleagues, uh, uh, friends and family as well, and this is going to sound a little bit um, controversial, but um, I am very glad I never landed that contract that publishing contract um, many, many, many years ago. I'm so glad I self-published because it has made me learn so much about this business and I've made so many good friends in the, in the industry, in the self-publishing world and with traditionally published authors as well. And I just know so much more now um, than I did then. And I would have very likely signed the contract blindly had I been offered one a few years ago. Uh, but now I know what I would look at and I know what I would say no to and I know what I would negotiate if one ever came my way. So self-publishing has made me a very much a wiser author um, and also one with a more business mind. And I think to survive now, to make a living in this industry, you need to to not just be creative, you need to have uh, a business mind as well. Right. And I think a lot of authors will probably, uh, the ones who still are chasing the contract dream, uh, who just want to just do the writing and not do anything else, still need to realize that the, the landscape has changed dramatically in the last five, six, Dramatically. Eight, yes. Dramatically. And, and it is not just a matter of putting your creative hat on, locking yourself in a room and just writing because you're not going to get there. Not not if your goal is to make a living out of it. I think if your goal is to make a living out of it, you need to take off those um, those blinders and just look at the reality of it. And then, you know, and you're not going to learn everything overnight. Uh, you're not going to know everything overnight. It just takes time. It's taking me two full years of self-publishing to really be confident with my basics before I decided to take it to the next level. Um, right. And, and that the next level of my career started in 2014 when... I took Kate Tilton on as my author assistant, and that was a very, very much a deliberate move because I knew what I was trying to do, what my next plan was, which was to basically focus on a production schedule and expanding the business. Uh, and we've done, I think, amazingly well um, in the 12 months we've been working together. And I look forward to many, many more years working with Kate because I think she's an absolutely amazing person to have in my team. So, and I, I had... Yeah, she's yes. the one who let yes. me on this view. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, I've had Kate on the show, and it was one of my best shows. We had a lot of fun. So, yeah. so A.D., let's talk about the genesis of 17, Yes. the metamorphosis of 17. What is the significance of the title 
of the series and the number. Now, a little while ago, you said something about you saw the number in your homeland. Um, I, I'd like to know more about why this this title, this number. Okay, so as a writer, when you when you kind of start taking this as a as a, as a serious path, you're kind of always told, do you know what? Whenever you think of something that is potentially interesting for a story plot, write it down because you will undoubtedly forget it. <laughs> right. You think you're going to remember, but you will forget it. Um, and so I always carry a little storybook. I used to carry a storybook around with me. Now I don't because I've got Evernote on my phone. And I even at 2 o'clock in the morning, if I wake up with a brilliant idea, my phone is next to me. And I just tap it out into Evernote. And then there it is in the morning. So I went to Mauritius um, to visit the family and friends. And uh, Mauritius is an island, but you also have small islands off the main islands. And one of them is a right. beautiful beautiful island called Ile Cerf, uh, which is French for Deer Island. And it's, in, it's a beautiful island um, set back from the mainland in a very shallow lagoon. And you've got um, sandbanks in this lagoon with mangrove trees. And um, we were traveling by boat past one of them. And I suddenly uh, saw this incredibly startling image, which was this black marker stone. And somebody had written the number 17 in dripping wet paint on it. So it was actually, it dried while it was dripping, so it looked like blood. And I thought, oh my goodness, that is such an arresting image. Um, Immediately just gripped me. So I wrote down the number 17 in my ideas notebook. And then a couple of years later, um, I was looking for um, something to write for the British Fantasy Short Story um, Competition, which is an international uh, annual competition won by the British Fantasy Society. Um, And I thought... Do you know what? Let's do something challenging. Let's test out new territories. You've been writing humorous fantasy. Let's see whether you can write something darker. So I thought, I looked at my little notebook and I, that number jumped out. So I thought, let's write about that number. Let's just think about a story around this number. Mm. And I thought, this, this is the British Fantasy Society. It's going to have to be pretty serious, pretty dark. So I thought, let's talk about death. And let's talk about, and I just came together, 17 deaths. And I thought, let me talk about someone who has died or who can die up to 17 times. And the second I decided that that's what I was going to write about, the first three sentences of the first book in the series came to my head. And it was literally, Lucas Saw, the main character uh, of book one, walked into my head and he just said, my name is Lucas Saw. Today I died again. This is my 15th death in the last 450 years. And I thought, okay, I really want to know more about you. So there you go. I, I wrote the short story. Um, it was a, a nice, sweet short story. It made the top five of the competition. Um, so, and which was to me um, validation that there there was something really great there as a concept. And um, at the end of that short story, I wanted to know what happened next because I ended it on a cliffhanger, and right. I thought actually this would make an amazing book. So I basically then wrote an action thriller with a paranormal twist. And for me, it was a fantastic experience. It was incredibly challenging because I'd never written in that style before. It was, it's, it's very different from what I was writing before. And uh, it was incredibly challenging. And I loved doing it because it involved so much research. And I think the most satisfying thing out of it was the fact that I proved that I could write that. And since then, I've written horror. And I've, written, I've now done humorous fantasy. I've done action thrillers. And I've, I've done horror. 
So it proves to me that I can attack different genres. And then I've done novels and I've done short stories. And I know a lot of novel writers struggle with short stories and short story writers struggle with writing novels. And But you do have a group that can do both. And I managed to do both pretty easily. Um, and I think all those have made me, all those events have made me grow as a writer. And I'm so much confident, so much more confident and so much happier with what I've achieved because I've proven that I can write short um, fiction, long fiction, and I can write different genres as well. So I'm going to try other genres in the future, basically, and see whether I I can write um, in those genres. Awesome. Uh, and right off the bat, Soul Meaning, your first installment, wins awards mm-hmm. and becomes nominated for several others. Talk yeah. about the instant basic success. Um, what were some of these awards that that soul meaning won, and were you surprised by the immediate honors that the book garnered? So I, um, I obviously entered those awards as you would for for any such awards. So I wasn't picked randomly from from a, from a cohort. So I deliberately entered awards, and for me, the awards are good to have, but there was a very uh, there was a a very clear reason why I entered those awards because I know that to stand out in the crowd of books out there, you need to bring something more to the table to right. attract readers. And I knew at that point my sales weren't good enough to make to be making bestseller lists. Um, I didn't have enough reviews to be skyrocketing up the Amazon um, ranking chart in my categories. So I needed to do something else to bring attention to my books. And I thought, why don't I just enter them in a few awards? Never, ever, right. ever thought they'd get nominated, but if you don't try, <laughs> you don't know. So I thought, let see. And because I knew I knew it was a good book, um, and it was, it, it was a good story. It was a good style of writing. And the other thing I have to add is I have rewritten that book since its first edition because I, I'm a better writer. Um, two years down the okay. line than I was in 2012. So I did rewrite this book. Uh, so the one that won all the awards or what was nominated was the first edition. And okay. you know, two, two books later, I knew I could do a better job of it. But I'm not going to keep doing this. I'm not going to keep rewriting my books because that's a bad habit to fall into. So the awards were, was, it was very much a marketing decision. It was very much a, I can't call myself a best-selling author when I'm trying to sell myself to readers. I need to find another way to sell myself to readers that right. haven't got enough sales and I haven't got enough reviews. What can I do? I can put award winning. So you'll find everywhere in my website, I never put best selling, uh, even though I have been on bestseller list when I've done free promos several times, uh, I've been on the best selling list. I do not call myself a best selling author because to me, a best selling author is somebody who can prove that with sales figures. And right. I mean, that, categoric sales figures, very definitive sales figures, and, and going up ranking not just on Amazon but on various other platforms and and then the famed New York Times and USA bestseller lists as well. Um, so that was the reason for the awards. Um, it was it was very much marketing. It wasn't to, to kind of make myself feel great about myself or my books. It was very much a marketing decision, a, a tactic. So to be able to put award winning until such a time comes when I can put this selling. <laughs> yeah, this will work for now, right? <laughs> and I have 
say it has definitely worked because I have a lot of people who've said to me that that's grabbed their attention and that's what made yes. them download the so, yes, so it's that, obviously a tactic that works, yeah. Yes, that's mm-hmm. definitely an eye-catcher. A.D., one insightful Amazon review that you did get for Soul Meaning by Kindle Customer, who gave it five out of five uh, stars, states, mm-hmm. intense nonstop action. You know, the movie Speed, reading yeah. this book is like being on the bus, and you know if the bus stops, something bad is going to happen, as in boom. You do not know if the bus can be stopped safely, so you don't want the bus to stop. You want it to keep going while Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock can manage to keep the bus from slowing down. The stars from freaking out and everyone else in the till, he can figure what to do. A.D. Starling is our Keanu here. She is (laughs) not letting anything slow the bus story down. Not one step or breath in the wrong direction. Wow, how awesome of a review is that? You surely did your job as a writer, A.D., wouldn't you say? Yes, I mean, that's one of my best reviews. It was one of my very early reviews, um, and I actually adore that review because it's quite a long one. It it goes into a lot of of details as well. Um, It's quite interesting um, for me as a writer. Um, I mean, I I try to follow the, the general guidance of, more established authors than me who say, you know what, just don't go read one of your reviews because the the, <laughs> the negative ones will make you want to cry uh, and then never respond in public and, 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 you know, and never forget. I think what people fixate on is the negative. Never forget the positive reviews you've had. Right. You know, don't fix on one negative review and ignore 100 good ones because that's what people tend to do. So it's it's coming back to what I was saying, and it's interesting because Soul Meaning of all the books is the fastest one. It is like that review says, right. of action. And for a lot of readers, um, even though this book has a lot of, of great reviews and I've had three, four stars, lots of three, four stars, what people have said, actually, I would have had, I would have liked more character development. I would have liked this to be a bit less intense. So I guess it it, it really depends what you want to write and who you're writing it for. Um, in the second and third and fourth book, I deliberately, even though they are still very fast-paced book, I deliberately learned from those reviews. I went to those reviews and I thought, okay, this is what my readers want. They want me to slow down a little bit and they want a bit more character development. Otherwise, it's just action for them. And the reviews got even better with the subsequent books. Um, and so my message is for the authors, learn from your reviews. But don't write for those reviews, as in, if you've got 100 reviews saying, I would like this writer to do 100 different things, you're not going to be able to satisfy everybody. Um, you, 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 know, you should be writing this book for you to start off with before you're writing for your readers. You need to really enjoy what you're writing. Um, but learn from them. And I learned from Soul Meaning, from the reviews of Soul Meaning, and I... Um, kind of put more thought into character development for the second, third, and, and fourth book. And it shows. It shows in the reviews that they, I am getting kind of more five-star reviews now because I have put effort and I've listened to, to what people have been saying in, in the reviews, particularly if the message is consistent. So if you've, if you've had several reviewers say to you, actually, that was a bit too much action for me, um, I want more character development, right. then you need, to, you need to listen to that. So Right. Right. Um, let's talk about A.D. Starling, the person. 
you talked mm-hmm. about your early childhood, um, and you talked about going to school in the U.K. Um, who were some of the authors you enjoyed reading as a young person, and what were some of the books that affected you the most back in those days? I think from my time in, I mean, I've, I've always been a reader, and I, I can pretty much say the reason I became a writer was because I was a reader from a very young age, and the reason I was a reader right. from a, a young age was because of my father. So I think in my teenage years, my the, the writer that inf- who influenced me the most was Stephen King, um, Neil Gaiman, Clive Barker, uh, Christopher Pike. So I was very much in that kind of style of reading when I was a teenager. Right. Um, I started to read a bit more action um, in my late teens. Um, Clive Cussler, Alistair McLean, who is a, um, a British writer who passed away many decades ago, but his novels are, are classic um, kind of spy thrillers as such. And to read his book is to learn from a master. Uh, and I've been rereading his books recently to actually look at his style of writing. So Alistair McLean, Where Eagles Dare being probably one of the most famous films that was made yeah. from his books. Um, so, and The Bonds of Navarone being the other. Um, and, you know, he influenced me a lot in terms of liking action um, books. Right. Um, so films were a major influence for me, I have to say. I've always watched action films from when I was very young. In the UK, I discovered Terry Pratchett. Um, I read more of Neil Gaiman. Um, I've uh, discovered Jeffrey Deaver, um, Robert Craze, uh, Janet Ivanovich, uh, Naomi Novik. Um, I've got the list goes on. <laughs> I've got that many uh, on on in my, on my bookcases. Um, but I think um, if I have to make a list of probably the three or four most influential writers for me, Terry Pratchett, hands down, is probably the most influential one. Um, Neil Gaiman, Stephen King, and Clive Barker. I would think those four are my top four, really, of writers I've really enjoyed. Um, of, of the latter few years, Naomi Novik and her Tenerife series are, are lovely. I've really enjoyed reading those. Um, uh, Justin Cronin, um, his books, he's doing a trilogy, uh, which is very much an apocalyptic series. It started with the first one called The Passage, a few years ago, so I'm breathlessly waiting for the for the third book, the final book in the trilogy to come out. And the one I mustn't forget, because I think he's a lovely, brilliant writer, and I'm eager to see what he's going to do next, is Christopher Paolini, who wrote The Inheritance Cycle, of which the first okay. book was Aragon. Um, so he, I, I love his books as well. I mean, J.K. Rowling, again, you know, absolutely brilliant writer, but I kind of try and think think of not not the common ones, the ones that people are not going to automatically think of. Right. And I think Chris, right. Christopher Paolini is an, is another one where I was blown away by his writing. I, I thought I thought the Inheritance Cycle was is is definitely in my in my top ten of of books I've enjoyed the most, um, and which I have reread a lot. So. Very interesting, Ad. As a prolific author yourself. Is there any part of the day where you are the most creative? And do you need a certain quiet place to write? Or can you whip out your pen or your laptop anytime and any place and go to work? The latter. So I have learned to write in pretty much every environment. 
<laughs> right. Except on in a car, I can't really do. I can't read in a car. Period. Because I just and drive at the same time, right? I couldn't really do that. Um, I've written on trains, on the plane. I've written in airports. I've written when I was on night shift and I had a quiet hour. So if I've been on a night shift and I've got a quiet hour and my brain is still working a little bit, um, right. I just grab a can of, of uh, grab a can of Diet Coke, sit down um, in a corner and put my music on. So for me, the thing that enables me to write in all these environments, the common denominator is music. So music. I. Is music, yeah. So I and what um, type make, of music would that be? Very much hard rock. <laughs> very much, very much action music. The kind of music that you can imagine you will hear if you were to watch one of my books in movie format. Right. So right. kind of straight and lots of drums, lots of beats. Um, so I've got on my website um, under um, extras um, uh, compilations of of um, songs I've put together for every book I've, I've um, published so far. And actually, um, they come into a Spotify format, so if you're on Spotify, you'll be able to just listen to them and stream them. Right. Um, and then I post um, a video every Friday now afternoon um, linked to a it's, a... it's a it's a song um, which is linked to the latest book. So at the moment, I'm doing all the uh, songs in the fourth novel. And... I tell you this, the reason why I chose that song. So for me, music, every single book I've written has a specific playlist. And it's very much, again, it comes back to the way the brain works, the human brain works. It's Pavlov reaction. So because I listen to that music constantly when I'm writing that particular book, the, the minute I put that music on, it puts me in that setting. Right. So it's very much so the minute I hear that music, I know this is what I need to be doing. So... And, so, and there were two reasons I did, I did the music. One, it's is for that reason, is to put me in the mood, and to know I know that this is now what I need to write. It's also very inspirational for me. Music. A lot of the stuff that's in the books has come from listening to a particular song. Um, and I remember for book two, it was um, uh, Disturb uh, Warrior, which is an incredibly loud song. And I listened to that song, and I thought that is Alexa King. That is the main protagonist of King's Crusade. Um, and I thought that is her, and I and the final scenes of the book played themselves out in my head while I was listening to that song. And you know, there was a particular song for book three, there was a particular song for book four. So a lot of the music inspired many of the scenes, um, inspired many of the scenes in the book, in the books. So. So interesting, very very interesting. Ag, in closing, there's yeah. a young teenage girl listening to our show, who dreams of being a doctor, and she also loves writing. She contacts you and asks your advice. What would be the first piece of advice you would give her? I think what I would say to her, and this may sound harsh, but I think at 17, you probably don't really, very few people I think at 17 really, 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 really knew what they wanted to do for the rest of their lives. I think they have different paths to choose from. And I think you need to look at it long term and see where you're going to go. But I think what I would also say, whichever you choose, whether you choose medicine or you choose writing, and between the two, both are hard paths to follow. Um, it doesn't mean, you know, writing is any less easy than medicine. 
but at least with medicine, you, you know you're going to have guaranteed income. And if guaranteed income and a financial, a financial safe future is important to you, then go down the medicine route. If you want to follow your dream, whatever, and you feel money and financial security uh, and knowing where the next check is going to come from is not going to be such a big issue and you can kind of live from month to month, from check to check, then think about exploring writing. But I think it's very few people who are going to be able to just go into writing at the age of 17, 18, because you need life experience behind you. Um, you You need life experience behind you and maybe choosing medicine first becoming more mature, um, experiencing life, might make that choice clearer, which I think it has done. For many of the author friends I've spoken to who have come, you know, you know been writing for six, ten years, they were, do, they were doing other careers before. And not a lot of them still have two jobs. I mean, I still have two jobs, even though I'm now part-time as a doctor. And, um, and having those jobs defined them as, as persons and, and made their personalities what, what they are today. So what I would say to that person, think carefully and, and, and see, because, and also learn to be, it, it's very hard to say that to a 17-year-old, realistic. <laughs> and because at that age, you just dream, and you dream because the future yes. is full of possibilities. Um, and, you know, sometimes you need to experience, to go through life experiences, positive and negative, to get to a stage in your life where you think, actually, I know now what I want to do. I didn't get to that until my 30s. So... Right. And uh, and I'm, I do not regret what I've done before. I, I don't regret it at all because I did so much as a doctor and I'm very grateful for what I could bring to, to my patients. Um, and I still do on a part-time basis. So this is what I would say to a 17-year-old. I would say it's, there's no easy answer, but you need to look at both paths and, and see um, which could be the most, what is important to you. If following your dream is important to you and you think your dream is, is going to be a writer, but you need to know what the positives and negatives of, of that career are. Because as a writer, we all, you know, people, when they think of writers, think, oh, you know, you're going to be lazing around in your pajamas all day <laughs> writing. And they, yeah. don't, they don't see the other side of it, which is the, right. the business side of it, the marketing side of it, the, the very much job side of it. Um, and they just think of the creative. There are pros and cons to every job. You need to choose a situation in life where the pros outweigh the cons. And this is how I came to change my career path because initially in medicine, the pros outweighed the cons. And it came to a point where the cons outweighed the pros. And that's when I, I stood back and I thought, actually, no, this is no longer something I want to do. Um, right. So, and I think with writing so far, the pros still outweigh the cons of writing, for me at least, which is why I'm pursuing this with a passion. So this is what I would say to this to this 17-year-old. <laughs> Give it time. Excellent, excellent advice, A.D. So good to hear that uh, right now your writing pros outweigh the cons. Um, besides your, your website, adstarling.com, give out any other contact information or websites uh, how people can follow you and contact you if they so desire. Um, so I am on Twitter as uh, after A.D. Starling, and that's starting with two R's. I'm also on Facebook as uh, A.D. Starling, the author, and I also have a personal A.D. Starling profile on Facebook, uh, so feel free to find me. Um, I'm on Pinterest, where I have some very interesting boards. Um, there is a particular one dedicated to the 17th series, 
um, which is full of inspirational pictures. And the only place where I have actually put pictures of who I would want to play the roles of my characters is the book. <laughs> I, I've made so many of these. And I don't publicize this a lot because for a lot of readers, they they like to imagine who they want in that role. And sometimes when an author puts up a picture, they're very disappointed because that's who that's not who they were thinking of uh, when they imagined the character. Um, I'm on Pinterest, I'm on Instagram, uh, although I'm kind of still learning to use the platform. I'm on Wattpad, uh, I'm on Goodreads um, as well. Um, so I've got uh, quite a big Goodreads fan. Um, so yeah, so those are all the, the sites where I am at the moment. Love it. Oh, and This I'm has also- been the... F- Go ahead, I'm sorry. I also wanted to add, um, I do have um, a mailing list as well. So if you want to be on the mailing list... Uh, we'll get to find out firsthand about new covers, extracts from upcoming books. Um, and also what I've started to do in the last two, three months is regular giveaways. So every month I'm running a giveaway for my mailing list subscribers. So they get to have giveaways which which are not really available to, to the rest of the world as such. And uh, so at the moment I'm doing um, to launch, to, to celebrate the launch of the King's Crusade book track, which was released this Tuesday of this week. I'm doing. I'm giving away uh, one book track for King's Crusade, one book track for Soul Meaning, um, a signed paperback of the winner's choice, and also a nice fridge magnet of of King's Crusade. So, being part of the mailing list will give you access to to basically exclusive giveaways as well um, from the website. So, if somebody goes on their website, on the website, they will be all over where where they can join up to the mailing list. So, and I don't send out. Yeah, I only send out and that's about once or twice a month. So it's not too regular. This has been the Funky Writer Show with me, Robert Batista. I'm at at author R Batista on Twitter. You can find my ebooks on Smashwords.com and my novels on Amazon.com. My guest has been the brilliant author and medical doctor, A. D. Starling, creator of the 17 series. Make sure you visit her glorious website, adstarling with two rs.com and feast your soul. Thank you so much, AD, for being a guest on the Funky Writers Show. And thank you very much for having me, Robert. It was absolutely delightful. It was a pleasure. Have a great evening. Bye now. Thank you. Thanks now. <laughs>